Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The passion is something that I've had to get used to over the last year, and I mean that in a very broad way about the kind of passion that I experience. When I cut my teeth in Wall Street, we learned that like emotions don't make it through the front door. And so when I did come crossover into crypto, I was like, oh, all these people with so many personalities. <laughs> yeah. what, are, what are we doing, folks? Like, you know you can't wear that. <laughs> you know you can't think that. You know you can't say that. Hello, I'm Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn, here with Binance US CEO Catherine Coley and Stellar Foundation CEO Danelle Dixon to debunk myths about gender for International Women's Day. Thanks for joining me today. To start us off with some context, women are much more likely to be unbanked or to live below the poverty line, sometimes both, anywhere in the world. In many countries, women still have fewer inheritance rights than men. And according to the World Development Report in 2012, Roughly 5 to 45% of women respondents in any given jurisdiction said they don't have control over their own income. That's not an average of emerging markets with industrialized countries. That's the range within nations. So as leaders that are helping redefine money, I'd love to hear what advice you have for women who are looking to be self-sovereign. Catherine, could you start us off? I think there's something that's really exciting that we're seeing take place, especially within my own time that I've been in a career. And that is seeing the presence of women take control of their own finances and escalate their own careers. Um, we've seen this with growing numbers, even when you take it to the crypto holdings. In 2018, 5% of crypto holders were women. 2019, that number went up to 10% were women. So I think the more we have this agreement kind of among ourselves that we're all going to be helping each other get ahead, there's going to be a growing number of success that we see with women escalating their careers, elevating uh, their own platforms, and getting further into these industries that have been traditionally male-led. How about you, Danelle? Is there any advice that you'd like to give women who are looking to be self-sovereign, economically speaking, for the first time? Well, I think that there's a lot of technological advances that we can look at for that, but I think mostly it's that they need to have a lot of confidence in themselves and ask for promotions, ask for raises, ask for lots of opportunities, and even if they determine later that you're not, not necessarily ready for that, I think that getting your manager or getting the people that you are working with, understanding that's what you want, that's going to create an opportunity for us to be able to get to a different space in management, in C-suite, and also just all over the world. So I'm really looking forward to that happening for all of us. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because for me personally, I know approaching salary negotiations was the hardest part of overcoming sexism at work. Uh, was there anything that you found particularly helpful when approaching those kinds of conversations? I just think that sometimes we have to push ourselves. A lot of times, at least in my experience, how I felt is I felt like I'm going to get that, that salary increase. I'm going to get that promotion because I just deserve it because all the work has actually proven to, to show me I've done all this really fantastic stuff. And I think what we need to do is push ourselves to think, actually, I deserve it today and I'm going to ask for it. And so you ask for more than you ever think that you should ask for because we always sell ourselves short. And then you get surprised sometimes at the result. Definitely. Catherine, is there anything you'd like to add, especially for women who maybe are being overlooked at work? How is it that they can help themselves when they're struggling to get promoted? I think you just nailed it with the, you know, brains and beauty can take a backseat to confidence. The knowing yourself and your self-worth makes opportunities just show up at your door. So when you're really confident in who you are and what you bring to the table, we've been able to see, you know, mentors open up and advisors reach out. They just get a sense of, of security that you exactly know how you can bring and deliver something forward. And that's what I look for when I'm hiring people, especially. So when I see that, a, you know, whether it's a young woman or even an experienced senior woman in her field knows exactly her value in the place and where she can deliver, that is genderless. You know, you, you want to seek that out. So I think being able to identify your strengths is something that's something huge that we can do. We're all very well aware of our weaknesses. We think about them every day, <laughs> but not a lot of us think about our strengths. And I think that's something we should do as a repetitive practice more so. Gotcha. I think that's such an important point, what Catherine just said. It's so funny when I've actually had coaching, I've had many different coaches, male and female. And every time what I want to do when I've gone through an assessment is, okay, tell me where I need to work instead of let's celebrate what you do well. And that is one thing that I try to impress upon every person, not just woman, but every person that comes into the room and we're doing reviews or we're just talking about what they want for their career. Let's focus on what you're really good at and how you feel, what you feel good doing. And then we can also talk about the things that you can have that we can uh, focus on for improvement. But I think we just lose that piece of it so many times. And it's just, it's, it's terrible for us to do that to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, the, the hate to pull the secrets away, but the reasons why people are going to pay you is because you're good at something. <laughs> so uh, I often, questions I ask are, you know, if you're competing against the world, what is it that you could be a gold medal candidate? And the answer really is that's why I'm going to pay you. <laughs> so. If you know exactly what you're, what you're good for, what you want to be growing into, what you are striving to, to become, then there's going to have those doors open and it'll be easier for you to ask for the promotions, the responsibility improvements, the management opportunities that maybe people don't see automatically. Yeah. And I know that for you in particular, Catherine, you were very strategic when you went about hiring. Do you have any advice for people who are looking to recruit more highly qualified women and they just don't know where to start. I personally hate when people say that because I, you know, the first place to look is under a rock. I mean, if you can't <laughs> find people, look, look harder. There are so many university programs that have had blockchain presidents that have been women. Those women have to have jobs after their MBAs, after their undergraduates. Look at and see where those women are heading. Look into see who has been a part of the fintech for women in their organizations, in their local communities, not just on their bi-coastal New York and San Francisco clubs. Go into any form of women organization like the Wing, Chief, you name it, where there are actually coordinated workspaces dedicated to women. I mean, that is 
I think you can get exposure already to 2,000 women plus that might have an interest in your career. And then break down the rules that you're looking for in that role. You know, is it a good communicator that you want? That might not be the same as when you say you want VP level with a bunch of jargon and, and you, you clutter that job description so it sounds very technical. What you're looking for is someone that can communicate, that can drive value, that can perform on a deadline, that can deliver results on a coordinated effort across global teams. When you break it down into that, anyone can realize, oh, that's me. And they can see themselves in that role. So I would just be clear to make sure that your job descriptions don't sound like a jargon puddle. And if you're looking for places with strong women, we're here every day. <laughs> so eyes open. <laughs> And I don't think that you should wait for the applicants to come through. That's the one thing that I get frustrated about. A lot of recruiters are like, well, it's just hard. I'm like, it's not. Oh, no. You sometimes have to go search it out yourself. I do it all the time. I spend time. I'm actually hiring right now for a VP of business development. And sometimes when women see that. I've VP got one for you. <laughs> well, there you go. You can help me. When sometimes women see that VP of business development title, they're like, oh, that's kind of not me. And I'm like, no, like, let's go search for them. Let's make it like LinkedIn, but also just like my network. We got to go out and like push ourselves to find things. One thing that I always say with every single slate, when I'm hiring, it needs to be a diverse slate, gender, ethnicity, race. It needs to be diverse. Then we can feel good about the outcome. If you start with, an, with a slate that's not diverse, then you're just actually shooting yourself in the foot, in my opinion. And be upfront with that. Tell me you're looking for this title, but what is it that you really want that person to do? Is it sales? Is it management? Is it maintenance of business relationships that exist? Do you need a hunter? Do you need someone that's a connector? I mean, those categories, once you know exactly what you want, anyone can want to reach out and help their own network. So that's awesome. And I'm curious. So we definitely want a lot of this to be applicable, whether it's any gender that's listening to this, but also thinking about for men that are listening to this, what's a time in your career that somebody either empowered you or stood up for you or did something that helped you in your career? And what did that look like in real tangible actions? Danelle, did you want to start us off? I think for me, I really was pushing myself into the business side. I had been a trial lawyer for many years. I was quite good at that. I loved what I did, but I really wanted to work on the business side for clients. I had been at Yahoo for many years after that. And then one of my former clients said, hey, why don't you come? I'm in private equity. I'd love for you to come and to help me out help me remove some roadblocks from business side, from legal side, and just really get to understand our business better. And for me, just having that opportunity, which I jumped into and I just like pushed really hard and did everything I could. It was him thinking outside the box and not just looking at my legal background and keeping me focused on the legal side and me being very clear about what I wanted to do, that I wanted to, I had this dark spot with respect to private equity, didn't know a lot about it. And I really wanted to learn about it and learn about how I could bring value to it because I knew I could. And so for me, that was just a huge opportunity to learn about the business side, learn about financing, learn about what investors care about, focus on how we look at portfolio businesses and which ones are important and how do we determine which ones we should invest in. All of that just brought so much more opportunity for me for that next job. And so that was just, it's just taken a bet on me. And I think that was a huge opportunity. Catherine, what are your thoughts? Is there a time that you can remember that a guy went out of his way and it really had an impact for you? For every awesome story where there's a hand that reaches out from the heavens and brings you back up to the layer that you've been trying to go to, I have the other side of it. When I was you know, in my course of career, I've had times where the visceral reaction to someone's action has actually made me more sure about my choices than anything else before. So 
when I offer getting advice from someone and they say, absolutely don't do it, I turn inwards and I go, God, was that the reaction I was hoping for? And all the bells and whistles were going off in my head that said, no, you know yourself better than anyone else. Take the damn leap. (laughs) And so I think you have to really be able to listen to people's input as well as know yourself in that matter. And sure enough, within 24 hours, the guy turned around, called me, said, my wife just looked at me. I was crazy. How could I have told you not to take that opportunity? And I said, oh, I'm so glad I already took it last night. You know, (laughs) I didn't even wait for you. It was a good gut check to make sure that someone that had, you know, a longer term career ahead of me had waited out, but he didn't realize where I was coming from, the opportunity that it would lead to the risk that it would take and the risk that I was comfortable taking. So I think you have to be really careful when you are looking for kind of that aha moment or the light bulb to go off and see how it works within your own. And I think your gut instinct, at least I've experienced in my career, like my gut instinct is the one thing that, yeah, I could be off a little bit sometimes, but if I trust it, I'm going to get to the right place. And -hmm. sometimes when we're making these decisions, we listen to everyone around us instead of focusing on what our own gut is telling us. And we usually know. And so I think it is really true, true to form that we just need to trust ourselves, that confidence again, just the confidence in what you know. We're also the ones fighting every day and waking up with ourselves. So uh, other people's opinions, although they do help us you know, move forward, they're not the motivator every day. You are. That's really true. I don't know about you guys, but for me, something that really gets me frustrated is this very, very wrong stereotype that crypto is a space only for bros or full of bros. I mean, some of the most experienced, accomplished, intelligent, capable women I've ever met in my entire life were all in this industry. And I'm curious to hear from you, what has your experience been like? And if you think that there's been anything that's been different for you being a woman or if it's been completely the same? I'll just start by saying that for me, since I have come to crypto for about a year now, I obviously had paid a lot of attention to what was happening with blockchain and crypto beforehand, but having just like jumped into this space, The main difference for me is that there's just a lot of passion, a lot more passion in crypto than I think that I saw in technology. I mean, there's a lot of passion with respect to like the particular project you're working on maybe in tech. I just mean a lot of passion, sometimes aired in very positive ways, sometimes aired in very negative ways in crypto. That's been my experience for the last year. I try very hard not to think about those moments when I'm like, huh, would that have been different if I was a man? Mm -hmm. Uh, I try really hard just to like stay confident in myself and to not go there. Um, But I'll tell you just in in terms of technology generally, I have definitely found, particularly given that living in this bubble that we have here in California, that it does, it is very male heavy. And sometimes I have felt that like, wow, it's heavy. Like it's like this um, oppressive moment from time to time. But I just think that the passion is something that I've had to get used to over the last year. And I mean that in a very broad way about the kind of passion that I experience. That's really interesting because I think When I cut my teeth in Wall Street, we learned that like emotions don't make it through the front door. And so when I did come cross over into crypto, I was like, oh, all these people with so many personalities. (laughs) What are are we doing, folks? Like, you know, you can't wear that. You know, you can't think that. You know, you can't say that. So there is kind of this revival of the personality or the emotion or the passion, as you've put it, which I think is all the better. In the inverse you couldn't see yourself fitting in in a world of pinstripes and you know shiny shoes and pantyhose and heels. This is a world where you might not see yourself fitting in because you don't have the hoodie, the hat, the 
you know, goatee, the, you know, everyone's got their own flair. And I think that makes it a better industry for us to realize this was built for misfits. This is celebrating uh, individual personalities. This is bringing the power back into the sovereign individual. And so you don't need to look like the industry itself. You just need to be yourself. And so I find that comforting, but it is difficult when you don't look like the majority anywhere. And the good thing that we're realizing is the majority of women now are taking over workplace jobs. So it is a no-brainer that some of the smartest women I know are in crypto. It is a no-brainer that they see this is an opportunity coming from Wall Street or a traditional background and saying, wow, like crypto needs us. Uh, and it's not a case of I'm going to be there to dilute the masculinity in the room. It's just the perception and the perspectives that we're going to be dealing with need to be equal. Um, we need to have multiple voices in the room taking opinions uh, into consideration. I think about this a lot when we're building our product and I'm building it with my own behaviors in mind, but men don't check notifications like uh, you know, a paranoid woman does every day. So you know, you're, you're going back and forth, putting yourself in different people's shoes. And in, in crypto, we really just need to be open to the idea that this is acceptable and accessible to everyone. Do not pigeonhole the products that we build. Do not pigeonhole the opportunities, but also be careful of what we do say and share because everyone's listening. And I think that might be the difference is that everyone really is listening in this space. And I feel, and, and, and I know that that's a, it's a bit of a, um, a focal point just for crypto, but I really do feel like there, there's just a lot of people who care a lot about this and, and maybe they care about it because these products are out there to change the world. And to like, really, I mean, we focus on what we do here at the Stellar Development Foundation, and we're focused on really getting that access out there to those folks that don't have access to it today changing the world. That's what we want to do. And so I think that that's where a lot of the passion and maybe emotion comes from. So I got to tell you, I do sometimes have to turn off my Twitter notifications because when I see some of the stuff come through, I'm like, huh, really? I didn't know that about myself. <laughs> and so I just, you have to develop a little bit of not be so paranoid about checking notifications, number one, and have a little bit of a thicker skin on some of these issues that you know are not about you. And that's yeah. the thing to always remind yourself. The lessons I learned growing up is a uh little girl. I'm like, I wish there was an easy lesson for getting thick skin. There really isn't, unfortunately. It, you know, resilience isn't built by a cup of sugar. Time and time again, seeing yourself in different scenarios, falling down, bruising, scraping, falling over terribly. And can you get yourself back up? Are there other people that you can always lean on that will help you get back up? And the answer is no. So you kind of have to figure it out yourself. I do think that even in this space, the ones that are intimidated to come in we need to cut that down. Like we need, to, we need to make sure that our narratives, when we are, as you said, changing the world, let's make the world better. My goodness. It's like, it might take 15% more effort on our side to be a better person tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But this is the future that we're building. This is the access that we're building. This is the product that we're trying to get into the hands of everyone. So I really, I have to preach to my team, you know, anytime you're having a moment of frustration, like, there's no chance that we can put this back out into the universe. You kind of have to bottle it up and put it away and move on, charge forward for a bigger and better day. I'm really curious also to hear from both of you if you think that there are particular use cases or needs that more women might have than men. Not to say that we're completely different user groups and not at all to say that we're a monolith. But for example, when I think about that, I think about the ability to make independent financial choices when it comes to birth control. Or when it comes to, for example, domestic violence victims wanting to save for themselves privately, I think 
these kinds of use cases are much more common among women needing to have private access to money, their own self-sovereign access to money. Are there any other cases that you can think of that there's probably more women than men we can be thinking about the kinds of tools or services that might be good for that user group? I think about this from the standpoint of outside the U.S., and there's just so much opportunity in developing countries to like, take the women where they are in terms of, you know, 65% of women globally have access to bank accounts. 72% of men globally have access to bank accounts. So that number is a pretty big disparity between them. If we can get these women to have access to bank accounts on their phones, I know there's a digital divide, and that's a hard thing, too. So you have to kind of accomplish two of those things at once. But it gives them the opportunity to use what they're very good at, what they're doing already in their lives. Just think as simply, you know, I think about this a lot because I've spent a lot of time focusing on Africa and my prior life and technology, trying to deliver an operating system into Africa and thinking about what tools that women in these villages in Africa might be interested in. They are making meals every day. If they had one extra meal that they could make and sell using some kind of technology or platform that they could do that with, it changes their life. And if they had an ability to put that into an account that was on their phone, maybe not a bank account, but maybe an account that we have in an app, it changes everything for them because it creates opportunity and access. And it enhances this financial infrastructure that we have rather than supplant anything that exists today. And so I think about these small opportunities that we can get. Instead of putting the money that you have earned under your mattress, is there a way that you can put it in a digital wallet so that you can just hold it there? and that you can stop from having the volatility impact you so much with your local currency. So really our focus is a lot outside of the US and these developing communities because if we can get them access to everything that we have access to here, it changes just this nature of these borders that we have and it would just improve the lives of all of these women and men all around the world. I'm gonna take it from more of a just inside of the US perspective given that's where Binance US operates, but also they're just some really personal effects that I see digital assets really alleviating us from, and they are petty and they are small and they are huge blockers to women succeeding in the best asset accumulation period of their lives. I take it to being friends in people's weddings, how many times it takes the cost of flying somewhere to see someone buying an ugly dress and, and you know, entertaining yourself for how many times you have to celebrate people's lives that can all be earned on top of digital asset speculation. Like you can trade your books in order to accommodate your travel plans, your, your need for seeing other people for, for moments in your life. I, I mean, there's so many people that are like, I'm the maid of honor again. And I'm like, that's up to you to take that out of your own salary and your own wealth growth that you could put that to the side and say, no, I don't want to partake in that and continue on accumulating wealth as you can and not take the time off work if you can. or you can manage your portfolio on the side and truly look at it from a perspective of saying, I'm increasing my happiness through the accelerated wealth management that I can through digital assets. It's after work, it's after hours, you're not interfering with your daily life. You can check on it easily. You can get in and out, it's super liquid. These are just the things that I think are, are people are not connecting the dots to. And it's simple as that. For the reason I got into finance in general was that I had to pay for like, therapy. I wanted my brain to be as rich and ripe as I could possibly make it. But the average therapist is $300 outside of your practical insurance claims. We don't think about mental health in that way, that it is an added tax on top of someone that's trying to be successful. So for me, like I had to put myself in the most aggressive, uh, competitive jobs in order to pay back the, the taxes 
on, on being you know, comfortable in my mental health. So I think about that when, I, when I'm you know, calculating Bitcoin, I oftentimes calculate the gains in terms of like therapy sessions. It's not like, <laughs> like I don't think of like, oh yeah, I'm up 100%. I'm like, woohoo, five more sessions. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of how I, I break it down. And it's just truly things that are extra expensive in our lives as women everything's more expensive in our lives. Everything is a, you know, an added tax. And it's not like society's going to, to call it even anytime soon. So what can you do in the meantime to make yourself compete at the same level, not have that same burden, you know, see these upsides that everyone else has access to too, and be a part of it. Forgive me for breaking it down to, to calculating my gains in terms of shoes and therapy sessions and free smoothies or ice cream, but I'm a human. I'm going to be seeing it as I can. And these are smaller things. I also see it as paying for education for the children that I don't have yet. Paying for, you know, added access to healthcare that I'm going to need because I've pushed myself to the limits and not worked out long enough. <laughs> you know, there's the long term and the short term and digital assets allow you to access and, and benefit from both of those. I really like that you both highlighted two things that I had actually never thought of before. Statistically speaking, women are much more likely to suffer from anxiety and PTSD. It can be sometimes related to uh, sexual assault or other kinds of trauma, or it could just be other kinds of unattended to mistreatment or stressful situations, and it's more likely to go undiagnosed. So we definitely need to think about our mental health and our, our health in general and how it is that we can afford to have that for a long life, even if it's just you want to save up to freeze your eggs. Yeah. Something like oh, that. it's $10,000. And do you think I get that every year when I ask for a promotion? No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense when you're asking around. You're like, actually, I'm, I'm reaching that age. I'm going to need that freeze your eggs bonus again. <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't happen. So you have to create it on your own. And Danelle, to speak to the use case you had talked, again, that's something I had not thought about before, but is very, very true. Um, when I was in the Middle East, I knew a family where the mother of the family would cook and people could come over and, and eat for a little bit of extra income. And it's really good and great that all three of us care about our careers and have high powered careers, but she wanted to be an at-home mom and still wanted to earn extra income on the side. And I think it's important for us to be able to have those choices all over the world and that cryptocurrency can maybe do that in a way that we didn't have as much access to before. It's unfortunate and true that oftentimes in relationships, the stress comes from money. And so mm -hmm. if you're able to have that sovereign amount of capital and wealth that you can manage on your own, you may be able to be less comfortable with the abuse that's being taken place. Um, you'll, you'll have your own kind of nest egg separate, even if you do not take in an income. Um, so I think that's something that's super nouveau that we maybe don't discuss enough in crypto is that this is just providing a chance for people not to be dependent on others. This is providing an opportunity for people to have comfort in knowing that they can grow their own capital with education, with understanding these markets independently. So hopefully we can create, you know, better relationships out of it and not as much stress around it. So. And I think it just brings you to that, that feeling of confidence and equality, and it helps the world to not have that divide that we have now. And again, you know, focusing on the U.S., we have so many issues here that we can deal with. Well, but just take that to a completely different geography where they're still developing, still focusing on how to build the infrastructure that they need. We actually have that with blockchain and cryptocurrency, and we can deliver that to them pretty simply. And so this is just all about giving, creating opportunity, which condenses that equality, makes us all feel more like one another. Definitely. 
So you guys have given me both a lot to think about. I wanted to open the floor. We can start with you, Danelle. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is really important for the audience to remember about gender and cryptocurrency? From my focus, it's not just gender and cryptocurrency. It's just gender generally. Like I really want all of us who happen to be women in this space or even not yet in this space, but when I get there, I want us all to feel very confident about what we can do. That confidence just breeds more confidence in others, which actually is going to help your friends and your colleagues and people that you knew from college or you knew from your, when you were getting your MBA, they can come into this space. We need that kind of diversity here. We need even more and more. Some of the most brilliant minds that I have spoken to are women in crypto. And so I don't want any of us to be afraid about coming into this space. Um, it actually, ironically, was not even something that I thought about when I started here. It, I, did, I wasn't afraid of crypto. I'd been in technology for you know, 18 years and I had already experienced lots of negative feedback from many folks. And I didn't even think that it would be different here. And frankly, I think we, we have so much more opportunity because the space is nascent. We can, we can craft and develop this space in however we want to. And so I just want to see us create the future. And whatever that future could look like, I think it's going to look a lot better when we have more diversity here. I just got smiley over here realizing that the space has someone like Danelle who, who took on private equity like halfway through already an aggressive tech career. And like now, now that's not even her final chapter. Like she's still in it. So I really think we need to dig and understand where, where people came from. What was their background that got them to this space? Because you know, people certainly ask the questions like, oh, wow, you know a lot for this. I'm like, yeah, I had five years of international sales and trading experience. And before that, like, what about this? I'm like, yeah, like we've all built our foundations so solid. Women in this space, women in, in general, have always had to build 400% more than their counterparts in order to stand just as tall. So we, we have to realize that tribes of women have gotten us here, not just individuals, and build those tribes out and, and support each other. Educate your you know, lowest common denominator, the friend that just can't get it. Sit and sit down with them and understand really what is not clicking, because I think that's only doing us a disservice, leaving people behind. One of the most exciting things about this space is women really didn't have a very active or at least an acknowledged role in creating the financial system that we have today. Now the one that we're making that's a new one will be one of the first times in history that we have an equal seat at the table and we're just taking it. Oh, yeah, awesome. we are. Glad, um, I'm, glad I'm here. I'm, I'm definitely not moving anytime soon. Right? <laughs> so I really enjoyed a lot of this today. I think it gave me a lot to think about in terms of the power that this technology has to impact social change. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It was great. Once again, this is Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn. Make sure to stay tuned for more podcasts from me every week. For more interviews and insights, check out coindesk.com. Take care, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.